welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hi. Long delay reflexes there. What? <laughs> I said a long delay reflex there. <laughs> I thought I said it quick. Oh. <laughs> All right. Tonight we have a Australian classic true crime story that I first heard about, I think, when I was a kid, actually. It's been on my mind ever since then. It's always sort of one of those cases that never sort of leaves you. It's always in the back of your mind. You might have heard about this one. Have you heard about the Pajama Girl? Yes. Yeah. What do you know about it? She was a girl wearing pajamas. Wow. Was she found in a drain? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. You do know something. Um, A long time ago? Yeah, quite a long time ago. 60s 30s 30s yeah yeah so i know some things yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well as i said this was a case back in 1934 when on september 1st in albury new south wales a woman's body was found at the side of a road in a culvert and the effort to identify her became a huge and national effort she became known as the pajama girl as you can probably assume she was wearing pajamas when she was found the body had been really badly burned and had been placed in a hessian sack she had been shot in the neck and her head was so badly beaten that it was almost caved in in some places there was a towel around her head and both she and the sack stunk of kerosene So she was mainly burned in the bottom half of her body. The bottom half of her body was just like a black mass, um, but her sort of shoulders and head, they weren't as burned, but they were pretty badly beaten. So she had not had a good time of it. She's taken to be autopsied, and the medical examiner says that she is a petite woman in her 20s. Other than this, she could not be identified, though. They did notice that her pyjamas were not something you would usually see people wearing. They were like yellow silk with a Chinese dragon embroidered on them. And remember, this is the Depression era, so these were quite an extravagance for the time. So news of her death is put out there in the papers with the hope that someone would come forward and identify her or at least come forward and say that someone in their life was missing at that time. Nobody did, though, and police knew they couldn't really put photos of her out there at first because, you know, it's pretty horrific looking at the photos. So they did a sketch recreation of her her face. Now, weeks went by and they were no closer to finding out her identity. They even went as far as to have a look at any woman under the age of 40 who didn't vote in the recent federal election. They decided that for whatever reason, they can't just bury her without knowing who she is. So they end up preserving her body in formalin and setting her up in the University of Sydney so that people could come and have a look at her. She sat in that bath for years and thousands of people came to have a look at her. But nobody, uh, a couple of people said they thought who it might be, but nobody outright said, yes, that's 100% her. Eventually, the police narrowed down who she could be to two women who could have fit the description. Uh, They were Linda Agostini and Anna Philomena Morgan. However, police couldn't find anything that conclusively said that the pyjama girl was either of these women. So it kind of went cold for about 10 years after that. 
after that 10 years, they decided, look, we can't just keep her in a formal on bath at the uni forever. Like we have to try and make effort. Hey, horrific. I know it's pretty gross, isn't it? Can you imagine them actually doing that these days? No, no. Just the fact that that was like, oh, well, we need to find out who she is. Like dignity and death isn't an, isn't a factor at this point in time. It's yeah. about yeah. finding out who she was, you know. Yeah, it just sounds so creepy and gross. Maybe that's why it's stuck in my brain for all these years. Yeah. So 10 years later, they decide to have another look at the evidence and a new lead had come in. Someone was ready to confess and it was Antonio Agostini, the husband of one of those two missing women who had been identified as possibilities. Now, the story goes that the commissioner of the New South Wales police went to a fancy high society restaurant called Romano's for dinner. He noticed that his waiter, Tony Agostini, was looking quite agitated. He recognised him from years earlier when he'd been questioned in relation to the pyjama girl case. So he decides that something's sus here. He's looking quite antsy. So he takes him back to the police headquarters where he's questioned at length and eventually confesses to killing his wife. So let's just pause and give thoughts on this for the moment. What are your thoughts when you hear about how Tony was brought in? How he was brought in? Yeah, like how he was brought in and made to confess, like being seen as a waiter at a restaurant. Um, I feel like it's probably one of those cases where they're like, we're going to make you confess. It's got that flavour. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, oh, what great police work. Congratulations. You recognised a guy and noticed that he was anxious and then you took him back to the police station for a chat and he confesses to a 10-year-old massive case. I get anxious when I pull up at the set of lights and the police pull up next to me and I have been doing nothing wrong. I'm not touching my phone. I've stopped at the lights. I wasn't speeding. I know. Me too. It's like white coat syndrome. I'm terrified of getting a um, fine for touching my phone. Like I I don't use my phone while I'm driving, but I don't want them to think that I am either. It's like a thousand dollar fine now. So whenever yeah. I see a police officer, I like put my both my hands on the steering wheel. It's like, see, I'm not touching anything but the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that uh, I mean, yeah, talk about lucky this guy coming across the actual guy of this massive mystery. Turns out that Antonio was an int- Italian immigrant arriving in Australia in 1927. And let's just have a talk about what this meant. Many people might not know it, but there was extreme racism towards Italians back then. It was decided due to their Mediterranean complexions that they must have black blood in them somehow. And they were thought to be dirty pests because of this. It wasn't just that though as well. It was because a lot of the stuff from like the war and that too. There was a lot of like fascist ideas and things like that as well. like Mussolini and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, there's like, a lot of different factors for sure. Where yeah. I live is actually near an old um, Italian internment camp. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's just amazing the idea of, like, Italian people being in internment camps when, you know, they live next door to me, <laughs> you know, now and they're yeah. just another person in society. So, I mean, they were deeply, deeply persecuted until at least the 1950s when we discovered that they actually made amazing food and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that was their saving grace. That was well, it. It sounds a little flippant, but it's literally once they started opening cafes and restaurants in the community that people were like, I'll allow it. 
<laughs> it's serious. I am going to allow this <laughs> because it's delicious. <laughs> you just keep on making the good coffees and the food and we'll allow it. Right? <laughs> so Antonio was um, a so-called dirty Italian at this time. And I think that this is important context to have. He married Linda, who had immigrated from England in 1930. So this is the nuts and bolts of Antonio's confession, right? When they first married, they settled in Sydney, but Linda got in with the party crowd and her drinking became excessive. He eventually moves them to Melbourne in 1933 to get her away from her drinking buddies. One morning, he woke up to find Linda threatening him with a revolver. A struggle ensues and the gun goes off, killing her. Now, Antonio knows that he is already public scum, being Italian, and doesn't want to bring shame to his community. So he takes Linda's body, puts her in his car, takes a long drive into another state. When he is approaching Albury, he stuffs her into the culvert, douses her in petrol and sets fire to her. So thoughts on this story? That's a bit extreme. Yeah, there's a few things that I take for. It's a bit extreme. Mm -hmm. Anything about his story that stands out? Um, I don't know. Am I missing a secret? A secret? (laughs) Am I missing like a, a big hint? Well, it doesn't seem to match what we know about the case, right? So for starters, he said that he doused her in petrol but it was kerosene that was found on Uh, that. Yes, 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 yes. He also said that he had stuffed her into the culvert while he was approaching Albury from Melbourne, but where she was found was on the other side of Albury, so he wouldn't have been approaching it. He would have been leaving it. Also, like, he never said that he beat her. He said that the, the contusions on her face came from when he tried to carry her down the stairs and he dropped her, but, like... Okay, I'm going to share with you a photo of her body and you can tell me whether or not you think this is falling down the stairs or having the crapper beaten out of you. I mean, they're old black and white crappy photos, so. That's more than falling down the stairs. Yeah, I think so. So obviously we've got an element of charring there as well, but like her face is swollen and bruised and has lacerations and yeah it just is not in a good way Mm. so yeah I don't know I think that you know there's that also he said that he used a pistol not a revolver we know that it was a revolver that was used and I discovered the difference in looking into this the difference between a pistol and a revolver is that a revolver has that rotating chamber oh yeah it revolves. It revolves. I know. It makes sense, right? Mm. So there's a few discrepancies, we might say, with his story. So Antonio is convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to six years with hard labour. Now, the manslaughter charge, that doesn't really make sense either because not only did he shoot, burn, dispose of his wife, there was you know, hiding it for 10 years and all of that. I don't know. Just like manslaughter is when you accidentally kill someone. I guess if you believe his story that, you know, he woke up and there she was and accidentally the the gun went off. But it just doesn't really match the evidence. So he ends up getting six years with hard labour. He serves just under four years, though, and is deported to Italy after this. So case closed, right? Mm. No. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> of course not. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. Now, remember that we had another missing woman that was put forth as a possibility as well, Anna Philomena Morgan. 
So when the body and reconstructions were being shown around, a woman called Mary Callow came forward with some information. She said that in 1932, she had let a flat to a Mr. and Mrs. Coots. Mrs. Coots had been asked to be called Philomena. One day, Mrs. Callow noticed that Philomena had written Anna Philomena Morgan on a piece of paper. And when she asked her about it, she said that it was her name from when before she was married. So it used to be her name. They lived there for two years, but in late August 1934, about a week before the body of the pyjama girl was found, Philomena came to her upset and said that her husband had just taken off to Melbourne and taken all of her all of their money with him. She said that she was going to go after him. And then after that, she never saw Philomena again. But not long after, when the pictures were in the newspaper, her young daughter came running in with the morning paper one day and said, look, mummy, it's Mrs. Coots. Uh, Mrs. Callow said that she recognised the body as Philomena immediately. So she looked at that picture that I just showed you and was like, yeah, that's definitely her. She went to the police and they had her actually view the body. And she was adamant that this was Anna Philomena Morgan. Now, someone else jumped on this theory, and that was Dr. Palmer Benbow. He was an amateur detective who the police actually utilised the services of. He decided that Philomena was the pyjama girl based on a broken bed head, which he said was the murder weapon. He claimed that it had blood on it, but it actually turned out just to be rust. He also noticed similarities with the faces as well. I mean, it's nothing concrete. and He never really presented anything that made anyone go, yeah, it's definitely her. So thoughts on the Philomena theory? Why wasn't this investigated more? Yeah, yeah, this is the question. And do you want to see some photos of Philomena and Linda? So you remember the, the burnt face? This, mm-hmm. this is Linda. Oh, yep, that one's Linda. Mm-hmm. This is Philomena. So if you get all three, which is why I tried to send you all three at once and put them next to each other, the pyjama girl actually looks a lot like both of them, I think. Mm. We've got a lot to talk about with these two women. It looks like to look at them both, it could be either of them. So let's first talk about Linda. As far as the police are concerned, the pyjama girl is Linda. She was buried in a grave with Linda's name. Interestingly, Tony, despite confessing to her murder, refused to officially claim her body, stating that he couldn't be sure that it was her at all. So this is interesting to me. So if your story was that you killed your wife, why, and, you know, the the police are sort of driving this theory of her being the pyjama girl, why wouldn't you claim her body and insert that you have actually got doubts about that situation? What do you think about that? Wait, what? What was that? I'm what? <laughs> Wait, Too what? many people. <laughs> so Tony, our yeah. friend, yeah, he he admitted that he killed his wife yeah. and disposed of her body, mm-hmm. but he always said that he couldn't be sure that the pajama girl was her, and he wouldn't claim her body to bury her. Ah. Uh. So it's like, yeah, I killed my wife and disposed of her, but I'm not saying it was the pyjama girl. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I, I can't say that that's her. Yeah. So, so maybe he um, did bury her on the other side of town. Yeah, that's it. Well, 
maybe there's another body out there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. But, I mean, if you killed your wife, would you claim the body anyway? Well, I don't know. You've already gone to jail for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird thing to do, especially back then. Mm. I don't know. The whole thing is a little bit strange to me. So, yeah, it's been a long-held suspicion that Tony's confession was actually coerced, like you were saying. Yes, definitely sounds like something's going on there. Um, So a little bit of history on Tony. He was university educated and despite working as a waiter at the time of his arrest, a job that he had actually only held for three weeks before he got arrested, he had spent most of his time working as a journalist in Sydney and Melbourne for a newspaper called Il Giornale Italiano, which as you can probably guess is an Italian speaking newspaper. It had a very fascist flavour, so he was very controversial, especially in the lead-up to World War II at the time there. In 1940, right after World War II broke out, Tony was imprisoned in an internment camp as an enemy of the state. He became a little bit jaded with the whole fascism thing while he was in there, though, and in 1944, he was released and given the job at Romano's, where he was arrested not long after. So we've talked about the strange and inconsistent confession, but what else did they have as evidence that this was Linda? Well, they used dental records and went to Linda's dentist. He, the, the dentist, though, he didn't keep dental charts, so he didn't really have anything to compare the pyjama girl's teeth to. They did ask whether the fillings looked like fillings that he might have done, and he was like, well, yeah, maybe I mean, fillings are fillings, right? Like they look the same no matter who's done them. So the police were like, like, yes, it's a match. So they kind of jumped on that little bit of evidence, even though it wasn't really evidence. What is also wild is that they kind of let the fact that she had been clearly beaten badly slide. Like nobody ever really questioned that as well. Yeah. Like she's been given a pretty big once over. I know, she was not doing well. It was the consensus that someone beat this woman to an absolute pulp, but somehow this didn't equate to murder with the courts only dishing out manslaughter. So that in itself was strange to me. And really that says that something shady was going on. Do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're with me? <laughs> I'm reading about Mussolini. Sorry, I just got distracted. Come back, come back. Did you know that Mussolini was originally a socialist politician and a journalist? Interesting. Now, and, then he became, and, and then he became a journalist. They all start as journalists. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So thoughts, thoughts on Antonio and how he came to be arrested. Well, he's obviously got a little bit of a record there and... It just seems so weird, though, that he was pinned all those years later. Yeah. Like, he was already questioned. Yeah, well, he kind of came forward and was like, um, could be her, couldn't be her. You know, I don't know. I don't really know. And they kind of left it for 10 years. To add an, an extra layer of context, at the time that Antonio was arrested in 1944, Police Commissioner William Mackay was in the midst of a career crisis. He was under constant criticism for the fact that there were so many unsolved crimes at the time. It seemed like he was completely incompetent, and this is what the public said. 
Um, they what said a brilliant way to make it appear you are not incompetent by solving the pajama girl murder. Exactly, because the pajama girl case was, you know, number one on the shit list. It hasn't been solved. Nobody's happy about it, you know. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that there was a lot of pressure on him to close this one. So do we have a situation where we've got a detective whose career and reputation depend on solving this case, a fascist foreigner, husband in jail, and a potential opportunity to put these things together? I mean, hey, Antonio, take the fall for this and you'll do a couple of years in prison and then we'll send you home. Otherwise, you'll be in an internment camp forever, you know? Yeah. This may explain the bizarre confession that never really matched the case and the fact that Tony always said that that wasn't his wife. So, yeah, what do you think? Was Tony a patsy? Yeah. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. The fact that he didn't, yeah, this isn't my wife and, yeah, I'm not going to claim her body. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I don't even get wife-killing vibes from him. I just think that, like, okay, let's say that it's the 40s, you're an Italian person in an internment camp. You don't know that things are going to improve. You don't know that Italians are going to eventually become accepted into society. I guess in your mind. You're a Mussolini-loving pro-fascist journalist, so. Yeah, and you've been staring up trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in his mind his future was in that internment camp. And I suppose if you have someone come to you and give you an option, look, you'll go do a couple of years of jail, but then at the end of it, we'll send you back to Italy. That kind of sounds a little bit more appealing than sitting in an internment camp to me. In Australia with no air conditioning. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that to me would explain why the details of his confession just didn't even match what we know about the case. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like a stitch up to me. And we do see this even to this day, you know, people yeah. being like, I mean, look at Adnan's case, you know, something that's been yeah. here lately. We've got, okay, we've got to solve this case. Um, we've got an ex-boyfriend. We've got a potential criminal informant that we can get to sort of, you know, make a story fit to what we think we've got as evidence. And boom, we've got a guy that's been in jail for 23 years. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this might have been a stitch up. So, yeah, that's my final thought on that. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's been solved. Have they ever exhumed the body? Have they ever tested DNA? Like, I know. It's so frustrating. They won't because as far as they're concerned, the case is closed. It's Linda. But what about the other lady? No, they just sort of ignore her. It's really frustrating. Really, really frustrating. So, yeah, I feel like Tony was stitched up, but could it still be Linda who is there in that pyjama girl case? We never really find out what happened to Linda. So was Tony right in that he actually did kill his wife and dispose of her body, but it's just that she's never actually been found? I mean, otherwise, where did she go? <laughs> you know, mm. We do have a missing wife here. We mm. can't forget that, mm. you know. I guess back then it was easier to disappear yourself and start a new life if that's what she did, but also probably easier to sort of dispose of a body as well. Mm. No one else really said that they thought the body was Linda. And in fact, it was claimed her bus size was different. And so was her nose shape, but also, and this is the most compelling thing for me is that the body has got brown eyes and Linda had blue eyes. I mean, that's huge. Fuck off. 
Aha. Uh-huh. Oh <laughs> my golly gosh. Like that's got to be pretty conclusive, right? What the actual frick? I know. That's just like, yeah, to me that's box ticked, you know. The, the, uh. <laughs> You're going to have an aneurysm in a minute. <laughs> just breathe. It's maddening. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And that's even more messed up and more annoying and frustrating than a being killed by a bunch of hogs, pigs. hogs. <laughs> from last week. Yeah. <laughs> from last week's episode. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, the police tried to explain that away at the time by saying that eye color can change after death. So I looked into it just in case, like, you know, to see if this was true. And surprise, surprise, it's not. Um, Your iris colour definitely does not change after death. What can happen is that a film can form over your eye, leading to almost like an opaqueness that is kind of like a bluey-green colour. So this could account for them thinking that her eyes were blue at first, but her eyes weren't. They were brown and Linda's were blue. So it was the other way around, you know. So it just doesn't work no matter which way you put it. So that's that. Basically, if we if we go by what the police have done in this case, that means I could commit a crime. They could charge me with it. I could turn around and go, no, 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 my eyes are blue, and the person who committed the crime's eyes were brown. Yeah, that's it. Or vice versa, because they're just apparently just making shit up now. I know. Then, nobody's nobody's questioning. Sorry. Nobody's questioning it either. So I just lose a little bit more faith in the police every week we do yeah. one of these episodes. Well, this was this was nearly 90 years ago. So Yeah, but the fact that the police now I know still sit there and go, no, the police then did a good job. Oh yeah, I know. So yeah, the I think is enough for me, really. I don't know. What do you think? That's enough for me yeah, to say that yeah. it was Solved. <laughs> solved. Not solved, solved but well, solved and we know who it actually is. Yeah. So it was also found that the pajama girl had two fillings and Linda's dentist said that she'd actually been given four. And you know who did have two fillings though? Anna Philomena Morgan had two fillings. But surprise, surprise, when the case was reopened in 1944, it was all of a sudden found that there were actually two other fillings in the container that she'd been stored in, obviously having fallen out. So this was very convenient, right? (laughs) So they're just like obviously trying to make shit fit at this point. So, yeah, I just don't get the vibe that Linda is our girl. So what about Philomena? She first came on the radar with Mrs. Callow and her daughter, seeing her picture in the newspaper, and then getting Dr. Benbow um, getting his hooks into the theory as well. Now, Dr. Benbow was adamant that Philomena was the pyjama girl and took his case to many different higher-ups to try and get his theory looked at but he was largely ignored. And look, there isn't really a lot of compelling evidence in his case anyway. We don't know what colour eyes Philomena had, but we only have, because we only have a black and white picture. Um, As far as what happened to her, we don't know. And we do know though, that she was going to confront a scumbag husband right before she disappeared. So is this a case where she was just killed, but she isn't the pyjama girl or could it be her? I mean, All we have to go on is two people who recognised her from a reconstruction of a very mangled face. 
Interestingly, the police say that the body can't be Philomena as she has had already been found dead in 1932. Now, this takes a weird, a really weird tangent. And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, this is just, it's so police trying to shape narratives. It just hurts my head. So when, like you said, what about this other woman? Why aren't people looking at her? Well, they didn't want to look at her because they'd already settled on Linda. It had to be Linda. So when these people said, no, we recognise this woman in the newspaper, it's got to be her, um, the police then decided that it couldn't be Philomena because she was already dead and she'd been found dead in 1932. Now, she basically matched the description of a woman who was murdered in Queensland whose name was Jean Morris. She'd been found dead at her home by the meter reader, stabbed 32 times. Now, there is literally nothing that would suggest that Jean was Philomena, except for a physical description. But I did find the description interesting because it was dark hair, attractive features and blue eyes. And as we know, the pyjama girl had brown eyes. So that was the only interesting thing I took out of that. So I'm not sure where this description comes from or even if it's accurate, but it's interesting anyway. So, of course, it's unlikely that Jean was Philomena because she couldn't have been in Queensland murdered in 1932 at the same time that she was renting a flat in New South Wales for the next two years. So, you know, that just sounds like bullshit to me. I don't know. What do you think? Yep, it's all bullshit. I mean, for Mrs Callow to see her write down those three names, who else could it have been? Who else could it have been that you said that that was their name and looked like this woman? You know, like it can't have been anyone else. That had to have been Philomena. So the question still remains, who was the pyjama girl? I don't know. Who do you think? I don't know anymore. I'm too confused. (laughs) Well, I think it's either got to be Linda or it's got to be Philomena. And I just think that based on eye colour alone, I just don't, don't think we can say it was Linda. And then we're going with Philomena. If it has to be one of the two, I suppose so. You know, as far as Philomena goes, it's a maybe. You know, maybe it's someone else entirely. I don't know. Is there anyone else that's missing? I don't know whether they ever found that out. They did say that they looked extensively for women that were missing. But, I mean, remember, this is back in the 30s. You could literally just, like, decide to change your name and then that's who you are from now on, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be someone else entirely. Did you get those photos that I sent through? Yeah, I had a good look at them. It's so so hard to tell. I know. So, I mean. Because I look at it and then I think it's one of them and then I look at it and then I think it's another one because the thing that gets me is the teeth on both of them look the same. They're quite distinctive teeth, yes. They're very distinctive teeth. Yeah. I was looking at the crime pictures first and going oh look at the teeth oh they have she has the same teeth so it's got to be her and then I scroll through and go oh but her teeth are the same as well yeah very big front teeth and the nose as well Linda's got a bigger nose but then like this face can you actually tell though because of the angles of the photos they're not they don't have their faces in the same position one's a front on one's a slight side on and yeah. one is, I think, more dolled up with her hair done differently. So it's very, it's very hard to tell. 
And then I think, oh, no, her face is rounder. So that matches that one. But then I'm like, but maybe the face is rounder because she's been beaten to a bloody pole. Exactly. All the other landmarks on the face could be, you can't tell because of the swelling from the beating. Like there's a, like Philomena's got a cleft chin, but you may not see that because they're crappy photos, but also her face is swollen. Mm. You know, like it's just really, really hard to see the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah. You can see an ear, but then the other photos don't have ears in them either. Their hair is sort of covering their ears. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's possible that this is not even one of these women. It could be someone completely different. Um, You just don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that we need to test the DNA. Come on, authorities. We don't care that you think that the case is closed. Um, We need to know who this person is. It's just a bit like the Somerton man, you know. Yeah. some uni researcher to want to f- get the answers once and for all because like I know that she's been buried but she was in Formalin for 10 years so she's going to be probably pretty well preserved yeah I don't know whether Formalin destroys DNA though but maybe a teeth or something you can get some some details yeah, from. I feel like it would destroy DNA yeah but teeth usually but teeth would be yeah okay. yeah but yeah they've got totally different mouth shapes too but Again, her face is so beaten that you just can't even tell. Mm. So, yeah, anyway, everyone head over, have a look. Um, do you think that it's one of these ladies or do you think it could be someone totally different? Um, but, yeah, that's the Pajama Girl, a mystery that has been in my brain for a very long time. I still think there's some significance to the pyjamas. Yeah, well, this is it. Like we have a situation where she's wearing an out, like pyjama outfit that most people wouldn't be able to afford also yeah. it's seen as something quite bohemian and you know that sort yeah, of the, the, the unique yeah piece of clothing a right. unique style um i think the key to this mystery is in the pajamas to be honest yeah like how many people would have actually owned something like yeah. that and someone i mean it could have even been like you know a prostitute because you know it was some sort of fancy outfit yeah um, you know, not necessarily expensive, but sort of like a cheap knockoff. Then are we dealing with someone who probably didn't even have a record of who they were in the first place because they were just sort of, you know, as much as I hate to say it, a nobody in society at that time, you know. It could be that this person is someone completely different altogether, which leads me to ask the question, where is Linda and Philomena? <laughs> because if nothing else, we've got at least one woman who has not been accounted for here. So, yeah, everyone let us know what you think. Who do you think the pyjama girl is? And, uh, yeah, we'll keep on talking about it. Come see us on socials. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.